Today we're talking about 2002's Cabin Fever, so I want you to pitch me a new horror movie based on an illness, disease, or condition. All right. It's called gingivitis. Its main thing is it makes your gums bleed a lot and potentially your teeth fall out. The end. So it's literally just the disease. Yeah. Gingivitis is scary enough on its own. No joke. So, you know, it is a horror movie. Floss and brush your teeth, kids. Brought to you by the Dental Association of America. That's right. I'm in Big Dentist's pocket. I went with a different route. I decided to call up Flying Lotus and said, hey, man, we just got a script in for dysentery. How would you like to direct this? (laughs) He said, say no more. Send it to me. I've got the soundtrack ready, locked and loaded. He's like, this is my bread and butter, baby. It was the part I was born to play. Yeah. No, um, I I don't know. I think a a pretty good... um, a pretty decent horror movie would be something with Nick Cage and, you know, rabies or some kind of brain disease that makes you go crazy. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, where do I buy? Where do I sign? I'm, I'm already in. Nick Cage brain disease, all you had to say. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Nick Cage is the one biting people to give them rabies. That's my, my hope for this uh, film. Oh, and he's got gingivitis, so his gums bleed. <gasps> oh, yeah, but that's probably going to lead to a weak bite. Every time he bites, he loses some teeth. The movie is, oh, it's on a timer. You know, because when he's out of teeth, he's helpless. It's a race against the clock. <laughs> ooh, ooh, no, no, no! It's gonna be. It'll be a. It'll be a sand. Um, the sand thing, uh, only with teeth in it, like falling through. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, like the, the the timer sand. I know what you're talking about. God, we are so bad. <laughs> are you guys? Are you guys talking about an hourglass? Yes. yes there you go. <laughs> okay. Wow, I need more coffee. Timer sand. I was close. <laughs> right here, you got your mulch. <laughs> Over on this aisle, you got your beach sand. Don't touch that. That's the sands of time. That one will turn it back to clock if you're not careful. All good ideas. John, I do have one follow-up for you, though. Gingivitis is normally not contagious, though, right? Is the, or is your gingivitis going to be contagious in any way? Um, good question. I guess, yes. It'll have to be a mutated form. Uh, we call it gingivitis 2. And if someone with gingivitis 2... Uh, you get any spittle, so kissing, sharing a glass, etc. Now you have gingivitis too. It's uh, it's unstoppable. Did you just say spittle like a ninety-year-old man? <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. You know, little spit droplets. <laughs> oh, oh, here we go. This might be hitting it too close to the home. The only way to stop gingivitis too is to wear a mask. Mm. Nobody can do it though. World ends. Yeah, as COVID <laughs> has proven, we will fail. Uh, everyone will just have to live with gingivitis too. All right, well, here's what I got. It's called Meat Sweats the Movie. (laughs) Famed food critic Jacques Valjean turns into a cannibal after being invited to a soft opening of a new restaurant, uh, pitching a new way to cook beef. The restaurant's called What's at Steak, and it's like a sirloin steak, the spelling. You know, we got to be cutesy for everybody that enjoys a good fine cutlery and a meal. He becomes addicted to the rich and new flavor. He can't get enough, so he tries to break down the flavors in his rest, you know, his home kitchen. He just can't figure out what he's missing. So he just he becomes obsessed. He can't eat anything else. He stops doing his job, like he's not fulfilling his reviews on time. He's just in this restaurant eating meal after meal after meal and to the point where he just kind of breaks mentally and decides he's going to break into the restaurant and steal all of their meat from the cooler. Well, when he goes into the restaurant late at night, he witnesses exactly how the meat's being made. And it's made from other well-fined marbled folk who've enjoyed a nice slice of the restaurant's finest cuisine. So he becomes the meat 
that it's served at what's at stake. Soylent Green is people. <laughs> Pretty much. Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Grave Talk podcast. My name is Mark. Again, joined with Garrett and John. Fellas, brand new year, brand new you, brand new me. I don't know. It's 2021. We got resolutions. We got new movies. And for whatever reason, we're starting out strong with Cabin Fever. How you guys doing? Um, well, if 2020 has taught me anything, it's to not get too excited about a new year. Um, so I'm going to be just cautiously pessimistic about this year and assume that it will be slightly better than 2021 at best or than 2020 at best i went with a little different route i'm actually going to be more optimistic about it john whoa i don't know you know 2020 was hot garbage but what are you going to do except for the fact that we got to look forward and try to make the best of it we got a bunch of cool movies coming out hopefully safely but um, i'm really excited to see a lot of the stuff that's coming out this year so bring on 2021 yeah in a few short days, uh, let's see, maybe a couple weeks from release, we should have a new president, maybe two presidents. If one decides not to leave, uh, we'll see what this new administration brings for our country, and perhaps we can kick the COVID and get back into some sort of normal routine that we liked and enjoyed in 2019. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sit in with Garrett on this one, um, a little bit more optimistic, but. I'm not getting that hope level too high because I don't want to be let down. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in between, I think, is where I'm resting between you guys. In 364 days, we'll have to revisit and see uh, see how 2021 turned out. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of revisiting, uh, I, over the break, watched several Christmas movies. And one of the ones I went back to was to rewatch uh, our first episode. We did Krampus, so I wanted to watch Krampus again. Uh, that one was directed by Michael Doherty, who did the Trick or Treat and Godzilla King of Monsters movies. Um, that movie still holds up really well, guys. Uh, Michael Scott um, is in it, our mascot. Uh, and Tony Collette, who I don't think we were very aware of at the time. Mm-hmm. Did you say Michael Scott? You <laughs> yeah. meant Adam Scott. Did I say Michael Scott? Okay. Sure did. Yeah, I you meant- said Michael Scott. <laughs> That's how many times he's been mentioned lately. I've just... Yeah, I've forgotten the poor man. Sorry, Adam Scott, of course. But yes, uh, also starring Tony Collette and uh, movie still really good. Now, I actually convinced my wife to sit down and watch it with me because we had watched so many bad Christmas movies that Netflix and Amazon Prime had to offer. She owed me one. So we did this one and she interpreted the ending different than we all did. Just a real quick recap. Max, who loves Christmas, loses his Christmas spirit whenever his extended family comes over. They're all assholes to each other. He tears up his Christmas letter and wishes for all of them to disappear. That's when Krampus comes in, starts taking his family down to hell. At the very end of the movie, we see inside of Krampus's lair, there's a bunch of snow globes and inside of one of those globes is Max and his family. And if I'm not mistaken, we all thought that meant that the family was now trapped inside of Krampus's hellish lair inside the snow globe 
probably repeating this holiday uh, Christmas morning ad nauseum. Well, my wife saw it a different way. She saw it as that he being the evil Santa Claus always has an eye on you. You better watch out. He's always He knows when you're good and naughty, that sort of thing. So she saw that snow globe as more of a, a window into every person's life to make sure they're not being shitty. Oh, okay. I never thought of that, but it makes sense. I could, I could see that. Yeah. So in that term, it kind of does have a good ending for Max and his family. It's not as dark, and it still can have that Christmas, you know, lesson that a lot of the, these movies try to teach, like you know, it's a wonderful life, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I don't think there's any definitive answer one way or another, but that was an interesting look in on, on the end. So I just thought I'd bring that up. I dig it. I'll allow it. What about you guys? Watch anything new? Uh, yeah. So work has finally slowed down. So I've been watching a ton of movies, though not a lot of horror movies because I'm bad at my hobby, apparently. Uh, but I did watch two that I want to bring up real quick. One, these are both Amazon Prime. So you know we're coming out strong. Scream at the devil. Do not even turn this movie on. I watched it for 30 minutes and turned it off. I knew I was in trouble right out the gate because it is not filmed in widescreen. It is filmed like in four by three. Uh, So I was like, wow, we're going for that whole made for TV look. Uh, So thumbs down on that one. Big time. Uh, And then I watched another one called The Possession. That one was actually decent. Uh, And it involved it was a Jewish demon. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. I don't know if the demon was Jewish, but it was you needed to do like a Jewish exorcism. So that I'd never seen anything like that before. And it had Modest Yahoo in it. So that was cool. Uh, so uh, that one I would recommend if you, it's not like an amazing movie, but it's solid right down the middle exorcism movie. OK, I got a, a follow up on a tweet you put out last night, John. Now you're apparently watching crap on Tubi. Is that right? Yeah, I- I'm done with with Amazon Prime. They until they reload some movies, I think I think I have to go even deeper into the garbage pit that is the internet. Uh and I have found some doozies on there, so uh more to come on the podcast or my letterbox. Uh but I don't even know where these movies are coming from. Student films, I assume. When does your obsession end? Is there anything lower than Tubi? I mean, it's a free streaming service, so uh, I don't know that... I think this is it. Once I'm done here, back alley exorcism movies, I don't know. <laughs> what was that Facebook um, TV channel, Quibi? Oh, Quibi, yeah, but I think it's gone now. Oh, okay. They quietly shut down like two weeks ago. I was like, yeah, we're done. After losing millions and millions of other people's dollars. <laughs> totally unhorror related. If y'all haven't seen Soul, go see that movie. There's a banger. Watch a really shitty movie like The Possession and then go cleanse your palate with soul. That's the Pixar flick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, super, super good. I'm excited to see that one. All right. Well, Garrett, what about you? You know, I decided to pick up John Slack and watch a few horror movies, and uh, I will talk about one in particular that I watched. Um, I was looking at one of those lists that was all like, the grossest horror films you've never seen. You know, thanks, YouTube. Your bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And a movie called Gutter Balls came on, a film by Ryan Nicholson. It's a, a horror film set in a bowling alley. Let me just start off by saying this shit is fucking horror 101 horrendous. <laughs> I mean, it's got some great makeup. It's got some great kills. Uh, the killer has a bowling bag on their head. <laughs> every every kill you can imagine that you want to see is like in this flick. But I'm going to preface this with 
this movie's poster should just be a trigger warning. There are some extremely tasteless graphic scenes in here of like rape and harassment. And, you know, in horror movies, some of this is like, it's, it's all par for the course to a degree. This was very excessive. Like there were scenes and I was like, okay, you got to stop. Like I was like at the TV, I was like, you got to stop, man. At this point you're doing nothing. I, it's a hard, it's hard for me to recommend because it was very over the top kill, like, great gore effects and stuff like that. I think Ryan Nicholson was uh, an FX artist uh, that did stuff for like X-Files and a few other things. But, whoa, it was it was a very rough watch. Um, let's just say someone gets raped by a bowling pin, but not the end that you think that they would. Um, and they don't shy away. You're going to sit in this scene for about five to six minutes. It's it's intense, man. But uh, that's called Gutter Balls. I think it's on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, Ryan Nicholson is the one who wrote it and directed it. Unfortunately, he's passed away. Um, so I don't want to talk too much. I'm not going to talk shit about him or anything like that because, you know, like that's not cool. But this film, if you're into over-the-top, extremely like rough horror films, this one's your bread and butter. And if not, maybe steer clear. But I did find it interesting that the, the villain had a bowling bag for a mask, which I was like, Okay, I guess we're just phoning it in at this point. I'm ready for lampshade head. Oh no, watch out for the killer lamp guy. The party's just begun. There you go. There's your tagline. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Uh, Garrett, did you watch Gutter Balls 2, Balls Deep? No, I did not know there was a, a sequel. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um, I'm kind of hesitant at this point, to be honest. Yeah, Ryan also had one called Dead Nude Girls from 2013. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because a man obsessed with bird watching takes on a new hobby, killing young ladies. And that'll tie it back to me saying, if you own a pair of binoculars, you're a fucking creep. So there you go. <laughs> In glorious silver screen proof. Um, as I also mentioned uh, via my tweet on Twitter, which you can follow us at. Honestly, that's one of the best places to get our updates um, that are not directly on our website. Um, I had mentioned that I had purchased and was going to watch the movie Arch Enemy. Uh, I have seen that. And let me tell you, it is fucking insane. I loved it so much. I'm going to actually do like a little like mini like solo short episode on it where I just maybe take like 10 minutes and talk about this film. Um, this is from the Legion M guys, Mandy, Colorado Space. Um, it is got John Magnolio. I can't say his name and no one else can, not even him. Um, it is excessively violent and rough in the vein of Mandy, but man, this is crazy town awesome. So if you haven't seen um, Arch Enemy, go check it out. It's really fucking cool. Paul Shear plays a bad guy in it too, which is really nice to see. Um, but I'll get into all that later. But yeah, look for that coming soon. All right. Is it like an action thriller type movie or is it horror or what? It's it's like um I would say action thriller for sure. Um basically this dude who looks like just like just crazy hobo. I'm not gonna I'm gonna give you the bare bones version. Crazy hobo dude um lives in the city and there's a couple of kids that you kind of follow around. They're involved in this kind of rough life and dealing with, you know, the shit that's going on around them. Howerton, I can't remember his name, um, is like a main like criminal bad guy uh from Always Sunny. <clears throat> and they kind of get wrapped up some stuff. And this dude who, this this homeless man, was like, back on my home planet, I was a superhero, you know, like this, that, and the other. And then like, this kid's like, listening to a story. He's like, tell me about this. I want to know more. And then like, 
you kind of get this parallel. Is he crazy or was he legitimately a fucking superhero? And it's this, the story is interspliced back and forth and you kind of not really sure, but the stuff that goes down is brutal and fast paced. It's really fucking cool. Um, the cinematography in it, which is standard for Legion M at this point, um, is breathtaking. But um, I'll talk more about that later. Cool. All right. Unless we got anything else, let's get into today's movie. And we'll take you back to yesteryear of 2002 with Cabin Fever. This one is directed by everybody's favorite master of horror, Eli Roth. And if I'm not mistaken, gentlemen, this will be our first Eli Roth movie on the podcast. It's our first Eli Roth directed movie. Okay. Uh, We've actually watched quite a few movies that he's helped produce, um, but not actually directed or written, I don't believe. Right. Now, why is that? Why is this the one we've decided to start off his career with on this uh, podcast? In my memory, this was his least... Well, for me personally, I mean, I'm, I know there are a lot of Eli Roth fanboys and I know he's an important figure in the horror community. I just don't like his movies. And in my mind, this was the one that I liked the most. And maybe that's still true. But I tell you what, man, I just don't like Eli Roth directed movies, I don't think. Yeah, we definitely picked this one because I was like, I was like, you know, we, we got to talk about Eli Roth at some point. I mean, he's just too, he's just too influential and part of the horror community at this point and to to kind of avoid that is a disservice to you know our audience so but along those lines john yes i remember (laughs) cabin fever being his least offensive film um (laughs) out of the stuff he had done and when i say offensive i mean like in um as far as like you know over the top torture porn kind of gore stuff uh which you know i think we've all made clear that we're not you know, massive fans of, but you know, I thought this would be a good like stepping stone into kind of talking about Eli Roth and what he's done and what he's doing. But then I, I watched this movie and and remembered quite a bit more. (laughs) uh, Oh boy. In retrospect, we probably should have started with Hostel. I rewatched Hostel not that long ago, one and two. Part two, terrible, straight up body horror, really, I mean, terrible in its like, if you don't like body horror, uh, it's actually, I mean, they're all competently made movies but hostile one was actually way less gross than i remember and it had a lot more like cutaways where it you imagined you know and you heard the, the sounds but it didn't necessarily show everything which like i'm sure in 2005 like for it, at the time it was very gross but the bar has shifted so far now hostile is like tame i remember hostile being like two hours of buildup of like pointless bullshit. And then one scene of like intense, like gore and then being like, Oh, okay. What the hell was the point of this? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was two hours long, but yeah, that's about it. I actually remember walking out of hostel, enjoying that movie quite a bit. And I think it's kind of maybe the opposite reaction to Garris. Cause the first half of the movie was just this abroad, you know, college kids going out to have a, a, a like a party time, and then it just turns into this horrific mutilation movie at the like the last thirty minutes or whatever. And when Mark says abroad, he's not talking about a lady, if you know what I mean. Bada bing, bada boom, boys. Bada bum bam. Hey yo. No, but yeah, it's a. Uh, I I was very surprised that like I actually enjoyed all the bits without the horror, like watching these kids go to a hostel. I didn't know what a hostel was in two thousand five. I was like. Wait, so this is literally just a place you can go and it's like a low rent motel for anybody who just wants to show up and hang out. And then, yeah, just trying to uncover this like society of people that are torturing people in dark meat sheds. 
out in the back of Russia or wherever the hell they were. Like I, I enjoy that movie for what it was. I haven't seen it since 2005. And yeah, horror, quote unquote, torture porn is not my thing in the least. But like John said, I don't think it was so over the top that it was just like disgusted me to the way the Saw movies did like halfway through their sequels. Yeah. I will, I will tell you, Mark, I stayed in a hostel in my youth and, in America. It wasn't an overseas hostel. Uh, and I lived to tell the tale. So it was actually a really incredibly enjoyable experience. Nothing like the movie. Okay. Nothing at all like the movie. A quick look through Eli Ross. Um, he's got one coming out for the Borderlands video game, apparently. And uh, he did the house with the clock on its walls and then Death Wish. Green Inferno, I've heard things about. I don't. Did you guys see that one? No, I haven't seen that one. No, I saw Cannibal Holocaust, so I feel like I've already seen Green Inferno. Right. It, it, that's just his take on that kind of cannibal movie, right? I, I think that's what I heard. Yeah, it's definitely kind of his his uh, interpretation of that kind of film. Yeah. So I don't know for you for you guys, this list really came down to if we were going to do an Eli Roth movie, it would be Hostler Cabin Fever. I'm not really seeing anything else that really stands out to me, but. Yeah, Cabin Fever. Man, this movie's not aged well at all. Uh, there's some language that's no longer acceptable with uh, 2020 vision. Literally, the year 2020. But it's 2021 now, so I guess I can't make that joke. Gentlemen, <laughs> we are on fire today with these jokes. I just want you to know. Uh, welcome to Comedy Talk. <laughs> We've ascended. Where are your favorite comedians? Please donate now. So it sounds like none of us really enjoyed this film all that much in the year 2020. Is that right? Yeah. And that was a very big surprise to me, to be honest. And I really remembered enjoying this movie when it came out. And, you know, what, geez, 18 years later, I'm like, oof, I hope I never watch this movie again. And I don't, but I guess now is as good a time as any to put it. They remade this movie in 2016, somehow even worse. So avoid the remake. If you're going to watch either, just watch the original. But you should probably just avoid both. Yeah. My history with this film is I remember it got a lot of press because um, I, I think the story is that like Peter Jackson loved this movie so much that he like stopped the filming of Lord of the Rings a couple times to screen it for the cast. And I know he talked about it publicly. Like he was like really stoked about it. I remember the, the, the marketing campaign for it was like in your face. I ended up going on a date with a girl to this film and and neither one of us can decide, can remember who decided this is the movie we should go see. But I know we both left because this is back when I was like not a horror fan. <laughs> we both left going, what the fuck? Why did we, why did we go see this? And I wouldn't say I thought it was bad then. I just thought it was like just exceptionally like grody, which it is. But yeah, no, in as a, as a rewatch in 2020, oof, it's a, uh, there's parts that did not age well at all. Yeah. You know, it's a good point, Garrett. I think some of what makes this movie so much worse now than when it first came out is like, it is like a time capsule for the worst people of 2002. And like at 2002, you'd be like, yeah, man, those guys are all dicks or whatever. But like now you're like, wow, not only are they dicks, but they're homophobic and racist and terrible um, in a way that, you know, just wasn't in the zeitgeist for, I would say most people in 2002. So the terrible characters are even more terrible now. What I think that also is exemplified or amplified by the fact that like it's not like their character needs to be homophobic or racist for a plot device or anything like that. Because, I mean, they're not some of the characters are racist. I think our main characters, you know, are your standard college, you know, kids. But yeah, to your point, it does 
really point out like the different viewpoint on certain things that were that were there. There just really wasn't a, a plot reason for a lot of that, other than that, like you said, it probably just was the way it was back then. But oh, some of the writing. <laughs> we should we should get into this because man, there's a lot to say. Yeah, I the only thing I can really recall when this movie came out is I did not, I was not interested at, at all in it. Um, so I never actually saw it for until probably 2009 or 10. I finally got around to catching it on TV. And I was like, yep, that seems as dumb as I thought it would be. Um, so rewatching it for the podcast. Yeah, man, it was like, oh, God, he put himself in his own movie in a really pointless, dumb role. All the dialogue is dumb. And Ryder Strong isn't really a good lead character, is he? No. Oh. <laughs> We'll we'll talk about Ryder Strong, but I actually have no problem with Eli Roth putting himself in his own movie. If you're going to, like, I think like Kevin Smith, right? If you're going to make a movie and you don't know if you'll ever get a chance to make another one, fuck it, may as well put yourself in it, right? Yeah, I've got no problem with yeah, that at all. That's a good point. Although he's been in some stuff that's been like absolutely like crazy. Did you know he was in Godzilla King of the Monsters as untitled fighter pilot? <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> Look at his IMDb of what he's actually like been in. The dude has been in a fuck ton of stuff as like cameo roles and things. It's kind of impressive to see like how much he's done just as like, you know, quick cameos and things like that. But man, um, yeah, it's it's pretty robust. And to walk back from shitting on him too much, uh, Eli Roth's History of Horror, or whatever they call it on Shudder, is actually a really good show. Uh, and season two just came out. I haven't watched it yet, but it's not, you know, like a super deep dive, but I've learned a thing or two. And it's an entertaining documentary series, I guess, TV show on the history of horror. So uh, he can do competent things. I think it's fair to for us to point out at this time, before we get too far into this, is that we're not shitting on Eli Roth. like as a as a whole i think we're talking about this particular piece of um art that he made um because yeah he's done quite a bit he's produced some films that we fucking love like he produced clown truth uh, which we've talked about on the episode i think it was unanimously that we all love the hell out of that but i mean if you look at his um like he's done he's done so many movies that we legitimately enjoy and love that he's produced or helped you know get out there so I, I definitely don't want to make it to sound like we're, we're shitting on Eli Roth as a whole because maybe, you know, he's grown and he's, you know, kind of changed some things. I haven't seen Green Inferno, so I can't say how his script writing and his character stuff has like changed over the years. But um, this particular movie is, is what we're going we're to be discussing. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things to say about this. So let's keep that in perspective as if, you know, we're talking shit about it, then we're talking about in context of this film. No, oh, yeah, we're definitely not sitting here going, oh, this man sucks. His, his contribution to the horror genre is obvious, right? So, yeah, again, this is just targeted at this movie in 2021. Now, this one stars Ryder Strong as Paul, Jordan Ladd as Karen, James DeBello as Bert, Serena Vincent as Marcy, Joey Kern as Jeff, Ari Verveen as Henry the Hermit, and Giuseppe Andrews as Deputy Winston. What? <laughs> I just, I immediately said Giuseppe Winston, or Giuseppe whatever as Winston. And I was like, oh God, I forgot. Like, I have already blocked that character out of my head. And then when you said it, it all came. Party cop? Yeah. He's literally the best character in the movie. It came flooding back and I was like, oh God, that's right. He was in this movie. Uh, yeah, the one thing that stood out to me when I first watched this movie is it had two characters from Detroit Rock City because I haven't seen them since. 
James DeBello and Giuseppe Andrews both play main characters in that movie. Uh, do you, you guys remember that one where they go to a Kiss concert? You're talking Gene and Paul Lyon, dog. I'm talking about the most voluptuous woman hanging out in the audience. I'm talking big breasts and tight breasts, is my friend. You're talking people passing around joints in the audience. You're talking about fucking Detroit Rock City, brother. Shake your wee wee. That was a that was that was a great movie. Yeah, oh, real good. I haven't seen it in a long time, but my memory says that was a great movie. So I'm I'm almost afraid to watch it now. Me too. Because it was around this time, so it might be real bad. But uh, uh, in my mind, Detroit Rock City is great. Yeah. So and I'm never probably going to rewatch it, honestly. So it's gonna have it's just gonna stay with me as a great movie. Uh, well, speaking of the cast, is it time to talk about Ryder Strong, the Boy Meets World? This is his vehicle to break out into the cinema, although I don't know if he did anything else after this, but... Uh... His vehicle crashed, is what I would think, say. <laughs> During class, I did something I don't normally do. A lot of thinking. He... He's just so bland. I didn't... Maybe, like... I haven't seen Boys Meet, Boy Meets World in a long time either, but maybe he works better in a strong ensemble cast, because here, every time it was just him, I felt myself being bored. I don't know if I'd go that hard on him. I, I think he did fine playing the role he was supposed to play. Um, I think we have to also remember that in 2002, he was still very fucking popular. Like, he was still, like, a teen heartthrob. I think he was in mm-hmm. Tiger Beat and Teen and Seventeen, Mag- you know, like, all those magazines that John has a subscription to. Fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep up with the trends, or else how do we know what slaps? Oh, real quick, before we get back to Writer Strong... Let me let me go and tell you this soundtrack does not slap. Period. I would I would concur with that. This is not a slapper. <laughs> We're gonna get back into that in a second, but yeah, I don't know. I think Ryder Strong did okay. I, I would not say he his strong suit. Well, I mean, let me okay. Let me, how do I want to phrase this to sound extremely nice? Um, for what he did, I thought he did the best job that we thought he could do. <laughs> so. Okay, but I don't understand what kind of character was he supposed to be? The hero, the clueless go-along, the the heartthrob. I he Well, that was the part that I couldn't buy. I couldn't buy him as a hero. Like at the end when he's like, All right, this is what we're gonna do. I was like, No, sit down, dude. Yeah. <laughs> was like, you've given us nothing to show that you can handle any kind of situation, let alone tie your shoes. Exactly. There is some real unearned uh promotions in this movie. And then after he's well, I don't even remember, but at some point, either before or after he's the hero, he's also the class clown where he's going to poke that dead body for no reason and he falls into the water like what 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 the fuck was that yeah oh that was so fucking stupid that was so goddamn stupid what purpose what was he even trying to accomplish how many burned charred diseased bodies does he think is floating down a river (laughs) he's never seen a dead body before john you gotta poke (laughs) it with a stick your first time so terrible. But that's the thing is he's not poking it with a stick. He's like putting himself in a precarious situation to go out of his way to poke it. Like, look, if you see a rotting corpse in any kind of water, guess what? That water's tainted. You don't need to poke it. You don't need to turn it. You don't need to know what's going on. Just it's a dead body. Your water's fucked, period. Yeah. And he did not have time for that. There was shit he needed to be doing, none of which was Fallen into a river. Nah, he was on walkabout at that point, John. He was just taking a break from everything. <laughs> <laughs> and not to mention uh, the, the other aspect of this character that's so confusing is like he's supposed to be the good guy, but then he's a shitty guy when he fucks the friend of his uh, girlfriend or whatever, right? There are no good guys in this movie. <laughs> it is a parade of horrible people. 
But if there was going to be a character that was considered the good one, it would have been Ryder Strong, right? Except when he like basically like totally like fingers his friend like while she's asleep. I'm like, bro, you can't do that. Yeah. Oh, no. My wife had a big problem with that scene. Oh, I I think we should all have a big problem with that scene. Oh, yeah. It'd be one thing if they had like established a sexual relationship and this is kind of like part of like their friend, you know, whatever it was. Like if you've if you breach that subject and you're like, okay. Okay, guess what? You may have different rules and guidelines for things, but they were still in the friend zone. Like it was like, bro, like when that started to happen, I was like, oh God, 2002. I forgot. <laughs> I was like, oh boy. Yeah. They did that make out scene and then she's like, let's go swim. And Ryder was like, oh, I thought we were making out. She's like, yeah, we were. That was like, I think her nice way of being like, and I didn't like it. So let's, <laughs> yeah. you know, let's move on. Uh, he did not pick up that hint. Oh, no. Yeah, and I mean, that's, that's the thing is like, I think that's what's so weird about his character too is we don't really get a feel for what he's supposed to be because he's he's kind of a creep. Earlier, he'd see like, like they're talking about the how she used to masturbate in the bath with uh, the shower head and he's like, there's no story sexier than that after he was just hitting on the girl next to him. Um, and then there's times when he's supposed to play the like the the alpha lead uh, and then he's like the timid, like, you know, like, well, I'm I'm just the nice guy. It was he was all over the place. And I was like, yo, figure it out, my man. But at least he wasn't fucking Burke. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if Ryder Strong is the zero of the movie, everybody else just takes it up to 10, like immediately of being shitheads. Yes. Uh, I guess should we are we we're way off the, the 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 pattern here because I have a lot to say about this dude. But do we have a back of the box, Mark? Sure, I got that stuff here. But we were just still talking about the characters. But let's get into details of it. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of 62% out of 104 reviews. What? Maybe these are all from 2002. Who knows? We got an audience score of 44% out of 250,231. That jives more. All right, back of the VHS. Here's what it has to say. A blast of gory good fun that just won't quit, says Peter Travers of the Rolling Stone. Oh, this one made... I I hate this wording, and and I hope people don't talk like this anymore. Colin Covert of the Minneapolis Star Tribune says, Grizzly geysers of gore, homicidal hillbillies, and an infectious sense of humor. What more could you hope for in a fright flick? How much did they pay you? Uh, I already forgot your name. (laughs) Nobody writes like that. Yeah, it's terrible. All right, here's what the description has to say about Cabin Fever. Jeff, Karen, Paul, Marcy, and Bert embark on a vacation deep into the mountains. With the top down and the music up, they drive to a remote cabin to enjoy their last days of decadence after college. Then somebody gets sick. Karen's skin starts to bubble and burn as something grows inside her, tunneling beneath her flesh. As the others try to save her, They look at one another and realize that any one of them could be next. One by one, they turn on each other and the rest of the town, realizing that the disease is the least of their problems. That's a shit fucking back of the box, if you ask me. Yeah, is that... Did they watch the same movie we did? I don't think so. Nothing's tunneling and growing. That makes it sound like there's like a creature feature type thing. And 
Mm, boo on that back of the box. Yeah, not not the best we've heard. Well, I thought this film was done a different way um, because that scene where he they're around the campfire and they're telling the story about the bowling alley. I thought for sure that was Eli Roth's original sales pitch, and some executive was like, "That's fucking gross." No, and he's like, "Okay, what about this?" There's a couple kids in the cabin, but um, no, he actually came up with the idea for this film when he was working at a horse ranch in Iceland where the the hay was um like rotted and stuff like that and he got a skin disease that actually like caused his skin on his face and stuff to like fester and like peel and have sores and when he shaved it would like pieces of his skin would come off with it so that's where he got the idea for this story which is pretty fucking rowdy horse ranch and iceland (laughs) come on (laughs) what are you doing in iceland everybody knows if you go to iceland expect to get a flesh-eating virus yeah it's on their pamphlets (laughs) it's on the brochure baby (laughs) it's now the second thing i know about iceland first one being is they have no ice (laughs) (laughs) greenland has all the ice iceland has all the green it's backwards whoever named those places need to be fired like the guy who wrote the back of the box well, the start of this movie starts out with one of my favorite things of all time, a dead animal. Yeah. Nothing says horror movie like dead corpse. Oh my God. They fuck up so many animals in this movie. I was I was really annoyed with how much they like went back to that well. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Uh, and that poor dog. But that's the, that's the catalyst, if you will. Somehow the dog got the infection. We don't, that's like the first step. We don't know how the dog got the infection. As far as I know, right? I wanted to make sure I didn't miss that because I was like, do we know how this thing started in any form or fashion? Yeah, I know what started it. It was a god-awful font for this movie when Cabin Fever splashes up on the screen with that really poorly backlit effect. I was like, god damn, you guys need a little more money. So they got the disease just not uh, sterilizing their film properly. That's how it happened. (laughs) (laughs) Now... I don't remember Cabin Fever 3, which, by the way, they made a Cabin Fever 2 and 3 that much. But I do remember there's like an institute. And so I think later on, this is like some sort of weapon or chemical runoff. It's like on purpose that they created this disease in uh, the Cabin Fever verse. Are you serious? It's a weaponized disease? I don't like that at all. I'm like 75% sure. I'm never I'm never going to go back and watch Cabin Fever 3 again. So I will never know if I'm right or wrong till a listener tells us. But I, I remember that's like part of it because they're the, the cast of three get trapped in this like industrial compound. It's so bad, guys. It's so bad. Uh, but I think that's the... It's called Patient uh, Cabin Fever Patient Zero is the name of the third one. Yeah. Starring Sean Astin. It doesn't help. Was it? Yeah, Sean Astin is the uh, the top billed actor in uh, Cabin Fever Three: Patient Zero. Oh, poor guy! All right. <laughs> yeah, and then there's Cabin Fever Two: Spring Break, which I've never even seen, but I I heard it's the worst of the three. So make of that what you will. Ryder Strong is listed as top billed cast in that. I guess it's a flashback, maybe or must be a flashback. He is not in it. No way. Yeah, because he's dead in that river at the end of this one. Spoiler alert, he's dead in a fucking river. Which is what he deserves. Mm-hmm. Just like his career. Take that. Oh, boom. Mark, just killing it with the zingers. Mark, <laughs> got to tone it down, man. <laughs> You're talking to my guy all wrong. It's wrong tone. Do it again. I'll stab you in the face with a soldering iron. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all our Ryder Strong fans out there. Yeah, which was a horde of teenage girls at one point. Um, there's actually a story where, like, in between cuts, he, like, went walking through the forest completely covered in gore, and he came across, like, a group of, like, 
30 girls on a field trip and they all freaked out and screamed because they saw the blood and they realized it was him and they started chasing him because they were so excited it was him. Wow. So, you know, I mean, the dude had star power then. I mean, the dude, you know, who knows? I'm sure there's like some 40-year-old woman right now going like, if I ever had five minutes alone with Ryder Strong. Ooh. Can I just, I need to stop and, and probably the most disturbing, horrific thing that this movie does is give us gratuitous Ryder Strong armpit shots. Holy shit, I never needed to see that much of Ryder Strong armpit hair. I was like, dude, stop. Movie, stop. That was all the rage in 2002. Why do you think he's famous? Amazing armpits. <laughs> Wait, know. it's just an armpit, dude. What the hell? <laughs> you're going to show a little pit, boy. It's going to get all the ladies going chasing you in the woods when you're covered in blood. According to the trivia, like the um, what's-her-face, uh, the girl who did the sex scene, uh, what the hell's her name, Serena Vincent, her and Eli Roth got in like screaming matches over how much like nakedness she was supposed to put in the movie. And then um, they eventually like settled on the fact that like her butt would only show one inch of butt. Yeah, no, there was a lot of like really gratuitous like nudity in this movie, which don't get me wrong. Great tits in this film. Fantastic. Ladies, you're killing it as always. But man, the sex scenes felt so weird. And I think that's because they were intercut with fucking horrific scenes of other bullshit. I, I understood. Uh, I mean, I think eventually we'll get there if we can uh, get through this. But, um, you know, where she's like, oh, it's like a plane is crashing and you just want to fuck. And I was like, you know, I, I can understand that. Yeah, I understand that. I understand like how it made sense. But like the first sex scene we get is um, Jeff and his girlfriend and they're fucking and it's intercut between Burke trying to fucking shoot squirrels and making like horrible animal getting shot noises and pissing in the creek it was just like back and forth cuts between burke being like a piece of garbage and these two fucking and i was like yo you you're not getting you're not setting any kind of tone or mood here you're just making everyone very confused they're going for that jennifer's body sex scene uh mojo <laughs> well this movie starts off like pumpkin head so after we see the 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 dead dog um it infects its owner who is the uh, henry the hermit uh, he becomes our human transferal of the disease to our group uh, here shortly. But we get our college kids roll up to a gas station. And yeah, I immediately thought of Pumpkinhead. Only the kid at the gas station here likes to chomp down on people's hands, uh, <laughs> which was actually pretty funny to me. Uh, I did like that one of the girls say, don't go to college. It fucking sucks. And I was like, is that a message you're trying to tell the youth of 2002? I wish I had got that sooner. Right. You should have watched this movie, Mark. It was there for you. I know, right? I would have dropped out and started making horror movies. <laughs> That's it. Making life choices based off cabin fever. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so I forget exactly which one gets bit. Uh, who, who's the one that gets bit by the kid? Ryder Strong. Was it Ryder? Yeah. Okay. And we'll just call him Paul because that's his character's name. I'll never remember that. He goes and washes his hand behind the gas station in a in the muddy creek. And I'm like, dude, come on. This is like post-COVID. You need to be taking better care of yourself, dude. Sanitize that shit. Not some dirty... You can have a flesh-eating bacteria get in you that way. Did you say post-COVID? This was in a 2002, Mark. Well, I'm looking at it with 2020 eyes, man. It's even more impactful that he's not taking care of himself and sanitizing. This whole movie hits differently in a post-COVID world, for sure. Their quarantining abilities subpar and by our standards today that's really fucking piss poor <laughs> <laughs> by our standards back then i mean we had had horror movies in the 80s that had people quarantined better than these yeah. assholes i mean shit I, 
I mean, fucking aliens had come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do we do about quarantine? Or alien. I'm sorry, alien. Let me be very specific on the good one here. Uh-huh. Oh, sure. Brother. Uh, we do know, I mean, I do always feel bad when they put that lady in the shed, though. <laughs> That's uncalled for. Why is that uncalled for? Because they could have just left her in her bed and closed the door. Well, they don't know if it's airborne. I mean, if, if they that- were airborne, they were already all fucked because they had been around her for so much. So they may as well have just left her there, closed the door, and it would have been effectively the same. They didn't have to drag her into the woods. Well, I mean, it's only like maybe like 40 feet away. But yeah, I I can see your point. You make a very good point on this. But at the same time, in that kind of situation, ooh, yeah, you know... You got to be as safe as possible. I think they were just reacting to what they thought they needed to do, John. As amateur doctors themselves, they thought that, like, let's just get her away from us. (laughs) So put her in the shed. As a (laughs) ex-college student, I think I know how to handle this situation. Well, back to the gas station. Um, As they're getting supplies and, and Ryder Paul Strong is washing his hand off in the creek, we have this scene with this... If you want to call him a hillbilly, I guess this is what the back of the box is referring to. Uh, is this gentleman who looks like he's in his late 60s, hanging out, getting friendly with the kids, just chit-chatting and whatever, and they're like looking at everything in the shop, and he's like, Well, enjoy your little slice of heaven, and if you go in the woods, be very careful. What? What's in the woods? Hey, Tommy, get those kids their sandwiches back there. They're all wrapped up. So uh, what's the fox urine for? Oh, that's for foxes. What's the rifle for? Plain face looks at him, says, oh, that's for the N-words. And I was like, whoa, that was probably the most shocking the film got for me. And then at that point, our characters, rightfully so, are like, wow, what a racist douchebag. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yes. So they're all getting ready to leave. Ryder had, or Paul, had washed his hands in the polluted stream water. And and then the shop owner comes out and he's like, give it back. It's like, what? And he's like. Why'd you steal the candy bar? And Bert puts the candy bar back. And then it's just like, his friends are like, what the hell, dude? Which is a sign, because those terrible people know that Bert is terrible. Uh, And he's like, what, whatever. And then he just jumps back in the car. But like an unnecessary scene, because it has no purpose later in the movie, except to just show he's the worst amongst a group of bad people. Yeah, there's like a throwaway line at the end of the film where like the, the shop owners goes like, I knew that kid was bad the moment he tried to steal from us. And it was like, oh. Okay, I guess that's supposed to be foreshadowing, but it's not. Nope. It does nothing to actually like amplify the characters. But at this point, we get probably one of the most offensive things in the movie. We get a scene of the the college kids driving down the road uh, with the top down, listening to probably the worst 2002 music I've ever heard in my life. It goes from fucking like garbage cock rock to fucking folk music to i mean it is oh the music in this movie upset me to every degree yeah i wonder if it's even on itunes i hope they didn't release this crappy soundtrack well this is during the time of like amazing soundtracks too like in like the late the early 2000s you know we were getting like next level soundtracks that had like just great compilations on them and stuff like that you know this is following up from the it kind of moves in waves, but we had like the mid 90s where we just had like the Crow soundtrack and just, you know, some amazing shit. 
yeah, I was shocked at how bad this was and some of the choices of music. They, I was like, you can't sell this as a soundtrack at this point. No one's going to be like, oh, yeah, give me that mix of fucking Static X and like Bob Seger. Like, what the fuck, man? Some immediate updates. Uh, Cabin Fever soundtrack is not on Apple Music. Oh, thank God. <laughs> you cannot, if you want to kick back and listen to the worst movie soundtrack of 2002, you're going to have to rip it yourself. And we know Burke's a piece of shit in this movie because he has a college hat that says F.U., something for like F and then university. I don't know if that was supposed to be the school they were going to, but you could tell it was clearly like a, isn't that clever F.U.? And it was like, oh boy. Yeah. The other big piece of trivia for this movie is... Bert is wearing a shirt that has a date on it, some date in 2004, and it says, uh, it's, I don't exactly remember, it's very offensive, but the gist is that that's when the Olsen twins become 18, or became 18. Oh, God. Yeah, that was the date on his shirt, and it said something like prime or ripe at, and it had that date, uh, so, man, Bert is is just the worst human being. That's pretty goddamn cringy. Uh, do we just want to talk a little bit more about Bert now that we're already on, on how shitty he is? <laughs> well, it's weird because, you know, as, as offensive as Bert is, is it Burke with a K or Bert with a T? Bert and Ernie. Bert. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've been saying Burke the whole time. Oops. The thing is, it's like, you know, like for all his like homophobia and just fucking poor moral standing, he was the least rapey character in the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That's one point for Bert, I suppose. You're not wrong there. <laughs> So they're they're driving and then they get to the cabin and everyone it's so weird like Jeff's girlfriend is like look how quaint and awesome this is she's so excited about his shitty little cabin in the woods and I was like I've never been that excited to be away from the amenities of like civilization but she's totally thrilled so those two are going to basically immediately try to start boning down and then Ryder and um, Karen decide to go take a walk and then Bert is going to go out and kill something because like where'd you get that gun he's like oh don't worry it's a bb gun that was not a bb gun right that was like a 22 or something yeah it was like a real gun okay that scene the dialogue in that scene sums up this movie so so solidly because bert's like i'm gonna go (laughs) is this where he calls the squirrels gay (laughs) yeah he goes i'm gonna go shoot some squirrels and one of i think it was karen is like why and he's like squirrels are gay and in their, their attempt to to be like Bert, that's bullshit. He, she goes, "Don't be retarded." It's like, ah, oh, nobody, even when you try to be good, can avoid being offensive in this movie. <laughs> yeah, when he called the squirrels gay, I was all like, "Well, I fail to see how that's relevant at all here." And this is where we get our our horror sex scene, our first one. And Jeff and his girlfriend are just boning down in the room, and that's when we get it interspliced between Bert out there taking aim and shooting a squirrel, which doesn't actually get shot. But then you hear like this, like sound effect of a squirrel, like squealing and like, I'm like, God, why do we need to do this? So that's number two animal, you know, issue right there. Then we cut back to them fucking. Then we cut back to Bert peeing in the fucking river. And then we cut to the scene where Ryder Strong is talking with um, Karen. And this is where we first get the, uh, the inclination that Ryder's just a, just a shy, quiet, good guy. Yeah, what a weird scene. So he's with Karen. They're like sunbathing. And Karen tells him this story out of nowhere like, hey, did I tell you that so-and-so tried to kiss me? Yeah, I knew him my whole life. And uh, he just grabbed my head and it was gross. 
And Ryder's just like, well, was it gross because he's gross or because you've known each other your whole lives? And then he, she's like, oh, it's, you know, I think sometimes you just want to kiss your friends, right? And I don't know about y'all, but I don't think I've had that experience of just wanting to kiss my friends. Well, I mean, I don't expect someone like you to understand, but every time we record, guys, look, <laughs> watch out. I'm going to plant one on you. <laughs> Just going to grab my head and go for it. It's real difficult not just immediately start making out, making that a bonus feature of one of our episodes. <laughs> um, no, it's it's actually really funny, though, because, yeah, they have a little talk in the woods and they end up on that like little like middle of the the lake uh, pier. I don't know how these things exist, but they do. I think it's for boats. It's a dock. I think it's supposed to be a dock that they're laying on. Yeah, cool. But yeah, so she does kiss him real quick. Like she gives him a little quick like, let's, let's try it out to kind of see like, okay, let's break that line that we've had since seventh grade um, and just see what's what. And then she's like, okay, cool. I'm going to go swimming. He's like, wait, um, I thought we were kissing. And she goes, don't be gay. And then jumps in the water. And I was like, wait, he was just making out with a girl. I feel like by like evidence that we have here, he's not gay. Yeah. No, but back in 2002, gay didn't mean gay. It was just a, a slur you would just throw around for no reason. Yeah. Uh, it was a dark time. <laughs> I didn't remember any of this conversation because I was too busy being repulsed by uh, Ryder Strong raising his hands, his underarms, man. They were just there the whole time. And I was like, can we cut away do something else i don't need five minutes of this i'm not gonna lie mark i didn't even notice that i didn't either uh, i think that's a, a you quirk <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a mark quirk i i think and i think he's used to the the teen beat armpit spreads that you know <laughs> the teen girls are always looking at but no i had no idea that he even raised his arm in this film to show his armpit and mark you are fixated on it oh man come on look you go look it up online there's probably blogs and blogs of writer strong <laughs> just hanging out with his armpits i'm looking at it right now i'm gonna actually google this um hold on just a second i i feel like it's one of those things you noticed mark and then because you noticed it you can't stop noticing it so now if i watched it again because you planted this little germ in my head that's all i'm gonna see you're welcome world well, the first image when you when you Google Ryder Ryder Strong armpit is a the shot from Cabin in the Woods where he's laying on the uh, the dock thing with his arms up, and you're right, Mark. He does have a very interesting armpit hair pattern. <laughs> I don't think it looks abnormal by any means. I think it's totally fine. But uh, yes, if it's you, excessive. It, it's <laughs> excessive. Shave them pits if you're going on the silver screen. I hope. More than anything, internal, like inside Google, there's a weirdest search of the day competition because Ryder's strong armpit has to be one of the weirdest searches uh, of the day. I'm getting put on a list of some kind. It'll be the Cabin in the Woods movie where they're all betting on shit that's online and I just won the fucking contest. <laughs> Who had art Ryder strong armpits? Oh, I was going for the merman. Oh, <laughs> I did look up Fafner dildo the other day for like some kind of research thing I was doing. <laughs> and I was like, I'm for sure getting put on some kind of list here. Yeah. They're like, flag this guy's account. We need to keep an eye. Oh, now he's looking up armpits. <laughs> <laughs> this dude's all over the place. He's a danger to America. Anyway, let's get past the armpits and back into the movie. So I think the next kind of important thing that happens is birds continuing to shoot in the woods and he shoots a guy. We don't, I, I, do we see that it's the hobo from the beginning? Spoiler, it's the hobo from the beginning. Bert shoots him. Not immediately, but yeah. Yeah, he comes out of a bush. And I, I honestly feel bad for everybody in the scene, right? The guy got shot. That sucks. 
Bert, very poor trigger discipline. Don't shoot in the woods like that. But also, that hobo dude was running around like a deer. Where was he going? Where was he coming from? Why did he sprint from one bush to another? He's incredibly sick. We never see him sprint that fast again. How did he get so close that silently and then like within like 10 feet make a a noise? I was like, yo, you're in the woods. Shit echoes. Yeah. If you were trying to get shot in the woods, this is how you would behave. (laughs) (laughs) This guy is considered the hobo slash hermit. But later on in the film, they run into a lady who is like related to the guy. So why is he hiding in a bush if he's got family just down the street? Yeah. Walkable distance because they walk to that house. Yeah. It's, uh, it's his cousin or her cousin. But Bert shoots him. And then he's like, are you OK? And he goes, fuck, shot me, uh, which I did like that scene. He keeps coming up and trying to get closer to him really freaking bird out. And I'd be honest, like the way that guy looks, sure, I would maybe threaten to shoot him too. Like, bro, Mm -hmm. keep your distance. I'll help you the best I can. But if you fucking get near me, I might have to, you know, shoot you in the shin or something like back up. And I think this is another interesting post COVID viewing experience in that back then I'd be like, that's so strange. Why are all these sick people rushing toward healthy people? Uh, but now that we know that the one thing people who are sick do is travel the globe, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it all it all falls into place. And then uh, he ultimately does shoot him again, right? And then like runs off back to the, to the cabin. Is that right? I think he shoots at him and he falls because he's sick and he lost his sprinting abilities. He uh, It's on recharge. So he shoots at him. He falls. Bert makes a run for it. He sees his friends. I don't remember exactly who. And they're like, oh, what was that? And he's like, you know, back to just shooting squirrels. It's Jeff and his girlfriend. I'm going to call her Mandy. I don't know what her name is. Marcy. Marcy. Okay. And um, they're putting out a giant fire that Burke started and left before he went fucking hunting. He makes that giant circle of fire. You're just like, dude, you fucking moron. Like, I would not go camping with someone like that. It's just not a safe bet. I forgot about that. This group of characters don't even seem to like each other all that much. Like, I would never spend time with people that I disdain this much out in the middle of nowhere. I often wonder that in, like, these group movies where it's like, how did this group of people become friends? I I just, (laughs) they don't seem to like each other. I mean... I, I I don't buy it. It's it's a college lottery system. Right. <laughs> yeah. Are they roommates? Every year, at least one group has to go out camping. And it, you just get drawn. It's college mandated. Get to know your friend's time out in the woods. You're earning a credit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then really the next important thing, I think, is the like cuts to the nighttime and they're all around the fireplace. Ryder Strong is telling the story about... Um, his bowling alley that he went to as a kid and someone went crazy and like killed some people. And And this is the only time in the movie we have like a cutaway where it shows what the story is. It's a strange experience. Yeah, I feel like, like I said, I feel like this might have been like an original story idea by Eli Roth that he wanted to do. Did he produce Gutterballs, <laughs> that movie you watched? Did he produce that? Jeez, my God. I mean, the parallels there are very similar. There, There's definitely a head in a, a bowling ball return. Of course. If you're going to make a bowling ball horror movie or a bowling lane horror movie, you're going to have a head in the ball return that's like scene one act one like the first thing on your index card 
The studio makes you put it in if you didn't write it in yourself. <laughs> yeah, someone's face gets ball waxed in the waxing machine and in gutter balls. Anyway, it's it's super gory. You're not going to be disappointed if you're there for the gore. Um, but anyway, yeah, this this story they cut away to, and it's like little clips. But like he's like they put him on a circle, and then he watched him kill each other. And I was like, well, this is hostile. I was like, this is this is the ground, you know, for hostile being laid right here. Um, but yeah, they tell the story and then out of nowhere, we get introduced to a new character, Justin played by Eli Roth doing his best. Ben Stiller meets Wayne static of static X. (laughs) If you were getting like the early two thousands, late nineties, and you condense them into a terrible human, it would be this character. And overall he's pointless as fuck to the story. Right? I mean, like, he's just in it to be in it. He never comes back, right? No, he never comes back. They find they find him dead in a cave. That's it. Oh, At the very end. That's right. During his walkabout, Ryder Strong finds him in a cave dead. I think he's in this whole bit is in this movie, including the cutaway, because they were too short. The movie's only 94 minutes, and they were like, shit, we need to fill some time. Uh, here's some random pointless scenes there's no character development we learn that the teenagers like we're not teen are they teenagers whatever we learn that the kids like weed that's the big character development but even that never makes a return yeah the only plot point specific thing that happens at this scene after the bowling ball story is that jeff and bert decide to have a beer drinking competition where they are not going to drink water for the rest of the trip and i'm like Mm, okay, I kind of like that point because now there's a reason that some of these kids aren't going to be getting sick right away. Yeah. But also, you're inviting the worst hangover of your life, but then again, you're probably 21, so you don't get hangovers for another three years. Right. Congratulations, young people. You're lucky. <laughs> I forgot about that plot point where they basically decided to drink beer and not water. So yeah, now that you say it, I'm like, oh, that is kind of an interesting plot device. Yeah. And then like Eli Roth, like he's like, or his character Grim. He goes by Grim, but his name is Justin. Oh, that's right. Oh, and he's got a dog. What What the fuck is the name of his dog? Dr. Snugglesworth or something like that? Something like that. Dr. Mafongo or Dr. Doctor and being a dog face. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I guarantee this is like one of his like improv group like characters he created. And he's like, you know what? I'm putting it in a movie. <laughs> Dr. Mambo. Dr. Mambo. I like Professor Snugglesworth better, but um, yeah, <laughs> no, it's, yeah, this character, to your point, Mark, he serves zero fucking purpose to the story. Does he tell any stories that, that talk about the surroundings or the area or anything? I don't think so. He comes, he's like, hey, what's up, strangers? Y'all want to be friends? They're like, look, we're having a private conversation. Why don't you hit the road? He's like, oh, guess I'll have to smoke all this weed by myself. He goes, then it like soft dissolves into time later uh, and it starts raining and he's like, oh, I got to go get my shit. And they're like, come back and bring the weed. And he's like, you betcha. And then that's the last we see of him till the end of the movie when he's dead. Classic drug dealers. You betcha. <laughs> At this point, they go inside and uh, they're telling stories. And they're like, man, I sure hope that guy with the weed comes back. And that's where we hear the story about uh, Marcy saying that she used to masturbate to her parents' jacuzzi jet tub. Um, and there was nothing better. And then, then there's a moment of lady, you know, solidarity where they're like, man, that made my first time terrible. And the other girl's like, yep, me too. And I think that at that point, I thought we were going to find out that because um, I'd already forgotten that Ryder Strong had not kissed her before this. And I was like, oh, because Ryder Strong acted really like offended when she said that. And I was like, oh, maybe that was her first time. Nope. 
this movie does no job of like leaving any kind of lasting impression about these characters on me at all. I think maybe, and I'm really stretching with the headcanon here. This is, I think, my biggest stretch yet. And it's also because I'm pretty sure that Ryder Strong's character is this kind of insecure dick. I think he was upset, or not upset, but shocked that she wasn't a virgin. Maybe Ryder Strong's character has been waiting for his time with Karen. And then he finds out, and he's like, you know, bummed about it. <laughs> oh, Ryder Strong, get the fuck over it. You're in college, bro. Um, yeah, so they're telling stories, and then someone knocks on the door, and they think, oh, it's um, Dr. Matambo or whatever. No, that's the dog. It's uh, <laughs> Gr- Grimby. Justin. And uh, <laughs> it's it's Mayor Grimby. Um, he shows up, but it's not. Oh, my God, it's the hobo hermit Herman from earlier. Oh, Henry. <laughs> He looks terrible. His face is peeling off. He looks sick as fuck. And then Jeff is like, dude, I'm what what can we do for you? Like, we'll get you some help. Which I thought was like, okay, cool. That's I'm glad to see that the first response was like, we should try to help this guy. And then Bert walks into frame of the door and is like, oh shit, that's the guy's shot. <laughs> he's trying to play it cool. Um Herman or Herbert Herbert, what the fuck is his name? Henry. Henry. God, I'm so bad with names. Henry is like, you're the guy that shot me. Bert slams the door on him, and then he's like, okay, cool. Fuck that guy. <laughs> We're completely done with this. Henry, I had to think about it, yeah, goes to steal their truck, and they're like, holy shit, we gotta get out there and stop him. Why'd they leave the keys in the car? That's what I want to know. Excellent question. Also, what the fuck has Henry been doing for the last five hours? It was daytime when he fell down. It is the middle of the night when he makes it to the cabin, Maybe a hundred yards away. He was, he was taking a rest in that ditch. <laughs> he was taking himself asleep. So yeah, they go outside to stop him and he's puking up blood all over the car, you know, like blood spraying everywhere. They're shooting the car with the gun because Bert doesn't want to shoot the guy specifically, but shoots the car instead. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, Bert? Yeah. At that point, he should have just not done any shooting. Yes. If he's not going to shoot the guy, which I understand, shooting the car is just fucking over everybody. Yeah. Bert's an idiot. <laughs> and so then Henry gets out of the car and the girls spray hairspray at him. And again, at this point, I was like, OK, this is all contrived plot device shit right here. They spray hairspray all over Henry. And then out of nowhere, here comes Ryder Strong with a, a fire on a stick. <laughs> and it's like, back up, my dude. And then accidentally touches it to him. And boom, they burn Henry alive. And he runs off into the forest like a fucking flaming ball of, you know, hobo and uh he's gone which i was like oh that's gonna cause a forest fire right this is like a burning type situation though where he goes up so fast was he slathered in hairspray was he soaked yeah. in alcohol does the flesh-eating virus make you flammable well they did they did spray a lot of hairspray on him. i will give them that i will say this was more believable than the burning because at least um <laughs> they had the, he had the hairspray on him but uh, yeah, he goes up full body engulfed, runs off into the forest. And at this point, everyone's like, oh, my God, we burned a guy. We should get the fuck out of here now. I, I they, they, Karen wants to. And she's like, I just want to go home. And Brighter Strong, being a douche, is just like, I don't know what's wrong with you. We're out here. We're having a good time. We set a man on fire. Why are you <laughs> behaving this way? You like can't seem to empathize with the fact that they just killed somebody and maybe Karen's having a little guilt. Ryder, DTF, ready to just keep on partying. Yeah, and the next morning they are just priority one, fix the car, not uh, report the incident 
that occurred overnight with the guy who they set on fire. Yeah. And so Jeff and Bert decide that uh, they're going to go find help. And this is where we come up on an old lady's farm where there's a pig and the pig was clearly dead in the shot, but it's making noises like they've got like ADR noises of the pig um, squealing like it's still alive. And she's like cussing and she runs up and she guts that pig while it's still alive. I was very pissed off at this. Like, I understand that like, you know, like, hey, in the country, you slaughter your own animals, you make your own food and stuff like that. And she's killing the pig because evidently her like animal stock is getting infected and dying and she can't eat these animals and she's really upset by it. But yeah, when she guts that pig alive, I was really pissed off. Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, this is number three blatant fucking animal abuse. I was like, give it up, man. It like it works in small doses. I'm pretty sure you don't you cut a pig's throat first, then you cut it open. You don't just start by cutting it down the middle because it's terribly cruel. Yeah. No, like a farmer, unless you're a sadist, doesn't do that kind of shit. You also have to drain it of its blood first, I would think. So yeah, you would you would put the animal down, then you would drain it, and then you would gut it. But yeah. the movie just wants to pump up that Texas Chainsaw vibe, right? This is some weird hillbilly in the back making the pigs squeal, and it's spooky, and our college kids won't know what is going to happen. Um, so they, they're trying to subvert our expectations when they go talk to her and she's actually kind of nice. Well, the first conversation in this movie shows that no one in this movie knows how to talk to another human. Yeah. Because she's like, tell Marcus that you sent me bad meat. I can't sell this shit. I can't eat it. It's trash. And they are just like, uh, we need to get to town. She's like, I already been to town today. And finally, they're like, dude, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> they should have opened with that piece of information. Like, hey, we're just dumb college kids. Uh, we could use some help here. Yeah. And so they, she's like, well, let me help you. And she takes him inside and she's like, well, they're like, yeah, no, we saw a crazy, you know, hobo, blah, blah, blah. We got to get him some help. And she's like, well, I sure hope that's not Henry. They go, we hit him with bats and we had to set him on fire. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, she's like, did you say you hit him with a bat? And they're like, uh, no, 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 no. And then they just run away, which like, come on. Well, they see the picture of, um, the person on her mantle and it's Henry. It's the hobo. Right. Um, we keep calling him a hobo, but like, you know, whatever he is. Hermit. For, um, wood nymph. Um, <laughs> so he's. But again, just to bring it up one more time and I'll drop it. Like Henry should have came over to this lady's house for assistance. Like uh, <laughs> that easy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Also, though, like they saw the picture, but she doesn't know it was them. If they had just kept their cool, kept their mouth shut. They could have got the ride into town. Instead, they panicked and ran away. <laughs> yes, they end up going to another house. And then we follow um, Karen, Marcy. What the fuck's the brunette's name? Marcy. Marcy. It's Marcy. Yeah, this part, I'm not real like picky about where people are in movies. I normally don't notice this kind of shit. But Marcy starts walking. And then she's on a canoe. And then she's at the same house that the other two somehow got to <laughs> without using a canoe it's very confusing yes and i did appreciate the uh the homage the Texas chainsaw massacre where basically we see her like walking up to the house and it's just like a medium shot of her ass in slow motion love a good ass shot <laughs> much more gratuitous this time around though oh yeah no 
very blatant, but I mean, you know, I love a good ass shot. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. But yeah, no, I was like, I was like, oh, that's a direct nod to Texas Chainsaw. I had to point that out to my wife. She's like, oh man, they are just holding on her ass. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is for the the chainsaw moment where they go to the house. Yeah, they're they're really trying to like see, get it, get it, get it. And then she does the thing in horror movies that I hate the most, where she says the word hello 926 times. Oh, my God. If you've said hello four times and no one's heard you, stop. Like, give it a couple moments. Give it a minute or two. Give it five minutes. And then say hello again. Don't say hello back to back 98 times. Oh, my God. It drives me crazy in horror movies when people do that. But she ends up getting scared by um, Jeff and Bert because they're in this house eating this person's beef jerky. But why didn't they respond to Marcy's hellos? Yeah, that's I didn't even think about that. That's a great fucking question. Oh, that's Marcy. She's outside. We should say hello. No, let's just keep eating this beef jerky. They're the worst friends. The worst. And then we get the line of, don't worry, you guys. If there was any kind of problem, the cops would have shown up by now. Smash cut back to the cabin where Ryder and Wendy... Karen. Karen are. And there's a knock on the door and Ryder opens it up and it's Deputy Giuseppe. Winston. Winston. And um, <laughs> the actor's name is Giuseppe. I'm going to print you out a sheet with the names so you can have that in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> I need crib notes for every movie we do. Um, the actor's name is Giuseppe. Sorry. Um, Deputy Winston. And then this is where we get... And I will, I will give you guys this. Deputy Winston is probably the most fun part of this film. But it drives me crazy when he opens his mouth because I'm like, no town. I don't care how small, how rural, how like low budget it is, would ever hire this dude to be their sheriff. Like, end of story. Morning, son. Deputy Winston, Bunyan County Sheriff's Department. Some guy tried to break into our cabin, and he was sick. I don't know what kind of disease he had, but he was a mess. Hey. <laughs> Looks like you guys were doing some pretty good partying, huh, man? Well, yeah, you know, we were drinking. And then this guy came along and tried to break into the cabin. Don't worry about it. He ain't gonna come back, man. Looks like you guys scared him away pretty good. I ain't gonna let him ruin your fun, all right? Paul? Is everything okay? Howdy, ma'am. Everything's fine. Just go back inside, have yourself a big 40, just party. I just assume it's like somebody's kid who's already on the force and like you're going to follow in your pop's footsteps and then he goes on to the, you know, the force like just like that. Want that Deputy Winston origin story. I get it. Yeah, I would like to see a, a, a buddy cop picture with uh, Deputy Winston and Deputy Dewey from Scream, you know, basically being partners. That'd be amazing. Hey, party guy. <laughs> you're the party guy. <laughs> like, I really enjoyed Winston's character. Well, he comes up. He's like, hey, something happened to your ride? And he's like, uh, yeah. So uh, just to, to to lay it all out there, this guy came up. He looked really sick and ill, and he started getting at us. Uh, we had to beat him a few times with the bat. He busted up our car, and uh, uh, he went off into the woods somewhere. And he's like, oh, man, he just totally was a buzzkill and ruined your party, huh? He's like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, well, don't worry. I'll, I'm going to go get a tow. I'll go tell the tow truck to come get you patched up, man. You guys just keep on partying. And uh, I think he exits the scene. Yeah, on a bike, which I liked. Yeah. He did not have a car. <laughs> he was riding his bicycle, 
making his rounds. And I will never get tired of a movie when they when someone gets on a bike and they go ding 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 like the little bell because those <laughs> do not exist in real life. But I love yeah. the fact that in a movie, just to like make sure you understand it's a bicycle, they always fucking put that sound effect in. It's like we get it. We know what a bicycle is. It's the Wilhelm scream of the bike world. <laughs> it fucking is. Well, Karen comes out, right, and is like, what's going on, Paul? And he's like, oh, just talking to the cops, go back inside. And he goes back inside, and she's ha- she's freaking out, rightfully so, because they killed somebody. Paul's like, just, just chill, just calm down, why don't you take a nap, everything will be better. Deputy Do-Right's going to get a tow truck, we got this, everything's cool, man, we're under control. And she's like, okay, well, you lay next to me. And what Ryder heard was, will you physically assault me? Will you sexually assault me? Because she falls asleep and he just goes for it. And then comes one of the more famous scenes of the movie where, you know, he works his way down and he puts it in uh, in between her legs. And he's like, oh, that's weird. He pulls it his hand out and he's just, you know, his fingers are covered with blood. He move, removes the blanket and we see that her inner thighs, Karen's inner thighs are all just uh, like flesh eaten. Um, and oh shit, Karen is sick now. Yeah, and let's point out during this scene, it's it's done with this like really mellow angelic music playing in the background as he slides his hand on her stomach and then down her underwear. And then, but the thing is, is like you got this like really like angelic like kind of like you know like peaceful sexy music, and all you hear in the background is like squish noises. It- was gross. Oh God, it was so gross. All the ADR was. I was like, "Yo, look, there's there's certain things we just don't need in movies. We don't need to hear the the wetness of the human body at any given time." <laughs> but yeah, no. When he pulls his hands out, and it's not like he pulls it out, and it's not like, "Oh, this is period blood." There's like a little bit of Karen on there. There's like chunks, <laughs> honey bunches of chunks. Um, it's so like obviously something wrong. But yeah, when they pull that back, and her like inside of her thigh is like missing chunks and you could tell he was like fingering her leg oh god it was so nasty it was well it was a well done effect uh and all that it's just the the context of it has changed a lot in the last 18 years yes yes never mind the point that writer strong's paul wouldn't know he was doing something wrong in the in the act he went to the wrong place. He was like on her on her leg, anatomically incorrect. You think he might have realized something? Oh, that's all I'm saying. I, hey, look, who who hasn't tried to stick their dick in the leg hole as opposed to the actual <laughs> vagina? Let's let's be honest, guys. Excellent point, Mark. Yeah, that's a really good point. How do you not know the human anatomy well enough to know like there's no hole on the side of the thigh? <laughs> <laughs> Which goes back to my point that Ryder. Uh, Paul was waiting for Karen. He still still got has his V card, uh, so that's what how he can make that mistake. That's the only explanation that I'll accept, and it's still really bad explanation. Yeah, that this scene is the one that this one and then the the shaving scenes are what stands out to people. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, let me remind everyone: I took a girl that I was super into to see this as a date. One of our first, like, kind of like, oh, I'll actually take her out, and maybe this will be something more than just you know, like us hanging out. <laughs> yeah, no, because everything starts a little sexy, and you're just like, oh no, oh god, no, <laughs> like everything takes this turn of like, yeah, nothing's happening tonight. <laughs> period. Yeah. And uh, poor old Karen gets relegated to the shed that we already mentioned at this point. They're like, oh, fuck that. I'm not getting sick 
and still Jeff is over there drinking beers. And I, I, I sort of kind of to warm up to Jeff's character as the movie goes along. Cause he's such an asshole, but it's turned up to such a like comic degree. Like when he's like decides to wander off by himself, he's like, fuck y'all. I'm not getting infected and just grabs like two cases of beer and like goes <laughs> and hides in a fucking cave for the rest of the movie. I'm like, all right, that's, that's kind of humorous. Honestly, like he is being an asshole, but he's not wrong. He's like, look, I don't want to get sick. He, I get it. He's self-isolated. Good job, dude. Did we mention that the dog, Dr. Mambo, keeps coming around and trying to terrorize him? They keep shooting the gun at it to like scare it away. I was just about to actually mention that. Dr. Mambo is growling like he's hungry. He's about to attack them. And Ryder Strong is like shoots the gun in the air to scare him off. And I didn't realize that was Dr. Mambo. But yeah, now that you say it, that is actually Dr. Mambo. Uh, that dog's in the loose and he's looking for meat. So um, I, have, I have a question for you, Garrett. Uh, what did you think of Dr. Mambo Vision? Okay. I actually had this in capital letters, like in my notes. It's like, why the fuck did we need to go to Red Dog Vision? Like <laughs> that makes no, like if you want to do dog vision, that's fine. But that dog didn't seem infected. That dog didn't have any problems other than the fact that it was just like an angry dog. It's like, why did we go to like angry robot vision here? Um, I hated it. It was so fucking pointless. It was very like T-1000. I'd like to have seen some computer code scrolling down. Uh, <laughs> Prime directive like splayed over there, like targeting systems. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. And so this is where everything kind of goes like, you know, pear-shaped because um, they've got homegirl in the shed and they're like, don't worry, we'll hang around with the gun to make sure the dog doesn't come back and get you. Oh such liars they're like someone will always be out here to protect you from the dog not five minutes later they're all inside drinking and the dog is like biting at the door and snarling and it's like oh shit somebody get out there and shoot at the dog <laughs> fucking asshole friends man they inspect each other to make sure that no one else is infected at this time they're all inside uh having a oh, thing on, sorry I, I got this movie they pretend to inspect each other they look at each other's bellies and call it a day <laughs> look everything was already really weird in that cabinet they want to make it worse <laughs> but uh yeah they they inspect each other they're having a conversation then jeff and bert kind of get in an argument because tensions are high and this is where paul's character um or paul the character <laughs> the one time i'm supposed to say writer strong's character um <laughs> this is where paul stands up and is like guys stop we got to be cool about that. You know, he takes on this kind of like leader role, which comes out of nowhere. And I'm not buying for a moment at that point. Um, they're like, okay, yeah, you're right. At this point, Bert takes a drink of water. And to make the, the moment lighter, um, Paul goes, hey, you just lost the bet, Bert. You drank water. He's like, oh, I guess I did. Ha, ha, ha. But we all know at this point, the water's contaminated, which means Bert now has the consumption <laughs> or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> you know, that's... I, I uh, literally yesterday, I was like, what the fuck is consumption? It's tuberculosis. I looked it up. Yeah, it's it's the TB. I thought it was in like the realm of the vapors. <laughs> oh, you know, like those <laughs> fake diseases people in the 1800s got. <laughs> oh, man. No. Um, so Jeff has decided he's had enough. He runs inside, gets a bunch of beers and is like, OK, that's it. Fuck it. I'm out of here. And he runs off and goes in hiding. Bert gets the car working at this point. He's like, let's go get help. At this point, Bert is starting to cough up blood. Karen is completely like dying. She's like an open wound, you know, with hair. And um, Bert decides, fuck it. I'm leaving you guys. 
I'm going to go get help in town. He drives off without them. He knows that he's sick, though. This is big Bert energy to get sick and try to hide it from his friends. Well, quote unquote friends, I would call them the people he's stuck with uh, or that are stuck with him because he is the first one who's like, we got to get her to the get her out in the shed talking about uh, Karen, get her out in the shed. I don't want to get sick, get her away from me. And then he's sick and he's like, well, going to hide this from everybody. God, Bert's decision making in every ounce of this movie is just fucking flawed. But um, this is the part where they put um, Karen back in the sh- <laughs> <laughs> What? I'm sorry. I just I just read my note that says Ryder pokes a dead body with a stick and falls in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So fucking stupid. <laughs> My note says, why the fuck would you ever poke a corpse, you moron? <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is the part where Ryder goes back inside with um, Marcy, and she's like, it's like when you're on a plane, you just want to fuck somebody, blah, 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 blah. And they end up having sex. And she, this part right here, though, she's like, he's like, do you have a condom? And she's like, don't worry about it. I'm clean. Everyone is getting infected with a fucking flesh-eating disease. Wrap your shit up. Even if you know you're clean wrap your shit up just you officially have infection on the loose here mm-hmm. um well they don't so bam they're gonna raw dog it they do it we cut to him in the bathroom pouring listerine on his dick because it burns yeah what the fuck dude like uh immediate burn like never mind that the girl that he's quote unquote been in love with since they were kids is sick and dying in the shed right or you know it's like and then he goes and fucks this girl it's like dude you are such a giant piece of shit isn't she Jeff's yes. girlfriend too? They both cheat on their significant. Well, she actually has a significant other, and he cheats on the girl that he is. Yeah, his dream girl supposedly. Uh. Well, does she does she have a significant other at that point? Because right before when Jeff leaves, she chases after him like Jeff. Wait, and he's like, true. Get the fuck away from me! I don't want to fucking be near you. Like he like tells her to go fuck herself. So <laughs> I feel like at that point, maybe some uh, some counseling or just call it. You know, like maybe your relationship's over at that point. All right, fair enough. But yeah, so she just wants to you know do the whole you know like I just want to do something that's not going to make me think about how terrible things are. So we cut back to Bert, who's driving his his truck into town, back to the gas station we were at earlier, and he's scratching the back of his neck and skin's coming off. And he's like, oh, man, oh, man. And it's like, yeah, what the fuck did you expect to happen at this point? Um, he pulls up to the, the, the place, gets out, and he's like, I need help. And then Dennis, the little, like, white-haired albino kid, blonde kid. Child of the corn. Yes. Gets up off his rocking swing, decides to fucking Matrix Taekwondo do shit, like, just like, like, doing flips and kicks in the air, and he's, like, going to attack Bert, and then bites Bert's hand really hard. But he also just yells, Pancakes! Pancakes! No pancakes. Pancakes! No pancakes! Out of nowhere. That's like the first... He yells, <laughs> pancakes, and then, does exactly like you said, does his weird slow-motion karate bullshit. <laughs> Love it. Uh, <laughs> so that scene was actually... That was improvised because uh, in between takes, Eli Roth saw uh, Matthew Helms practicing his Taekwondo during a break. And uh, they added that scene in to show off his his Taekwondo moves. But yeah, so Dennis, the little kid, bites uh, bites Bert's hand. So now Dennis is infected. And then the uh, one of the shop owners comes out. And he's like, 
damn it, you infected my boy. What did you do to him? I've already lost one son. I can't afford to lose another. I like how straightforward. He's like, look, when you were sick, that was your problem. Now that Dennis is sick, that's my problem. And they're like, <laughs> it's like, damn. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like that Zen way of thinking. It's like, all right, you deal with your shit and I'll deal with mine. Okay, now you've made it my problem. But yeah, they um, Bert gets in the car, starts driving off. They get the gun. They start shooting at Bert's truck. And Bert has like what seems like a six mile head start on these guys. But then we cut to a scene in just a minute where the truck is right on Bert's ass, like within a foot. And they're shooting at his truck. And it's like, so Bert's making his way back to the cabin. Um, after sex, Ryder has decided that he's going to go walk about just because, you know, he realizes he got something on his dick from her. He's a little bummed out. He goes for a little walk, you know, to get his mind back in order. Like, okay, I just got a sexually transmitted disease. What do I do now? As that's going on, he stumbles upon a corpse in a reservoir and he's like, well, you know, I got to poke it, baby. <laughs> so he grabs a stick. And I think that we can all agree. This is the point of the movie where no audience member is like on board with what he's doing here. I don't even know what his end goal was for this corpse, maybe to flip it over. But like, why? Don't you know this is a dead body? Yeah, motherfuckers. I know that shit. He ain't bothering you, so don't fuck with him. So what I think is he wanted to know if that was the hermit, Henry the hermit. I think, I mean, and this is, I'm really projecting here, but I think that was his goal. Now, the obvious question is why? And I, I can't even headcanon a reason why he needs to know this information. It is irrelevant to his current life, like problems, uh, but he's a moron. So he's going to go do moronic things. Good rule of thumb. If you burn a dude to death, and then you find a corpse that looks burnt in a puddle of water. Guess what? Just assume it's your dead guy. <laughs> like, there you go. Just do that addition. Do that math problem. Get yourself ahead of the game. You know? Yeah, it's it's him. Play the odds. He falls right on top of that corpse when he goes down to poke it. He's hanging on this ladder and the ladder breaks. And he falls right on the corpse into this grody water. Now, this was the most disgusting part of the movie for me when he lands on that corpse because his mouth is open. He's like drinking that water and oh, it's so fucking nasty. He pulls himself out. He's running back to camp. We cut to um, Marcy. Marcy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Marcy in the tub shaving her legs. And as she's shaving her legs, she's like shaving skin off because it's like fully infected. And she's just crying and losing her shit. See, I thought that. But I think her legs are were already when I rewatched it, like in my memory, she was shaving her skin off. But I don't think that's what happens. I think that her legs were already fucked up and she's just shaving on top of her fucked up legs. I agree with that, John. Then why the fuck would you do that? She's freaking out, man. She just can't handle it. So she's just trying to do something normal, I guess. But yeah, John, you're right. I've talked to people about this movie outside that say the same thing, that she's shaving the skin off her legs. So when this scene came on, I was ready for it. And then it didn't happen. I was like, does the does society just collectively think that she was shaving her skin off her legs? If you had asked me like three days ago before I watched this movie, I, I would have totally said, yeah, she is shaving her skin off. Uh, it's a Mandela effect, I guess. I thought it was that basically she had the stuff on her legs, but as she was shaving over it, like pieces of skin were coming off with it. I didn't think she was she was like purposely shaving the, the skin off her leg. 
but I thought it was coming off. But yeah, you're right. It didn't really look like that was the case in the movie. So maybe we, that's what we wanted to see. Maybe that's what society needed at that time in 2002. <laughs> or maybe there's a cut of the movie out there where that happens. But the one I saw didn't have that in there. Like it looked like her legs were already just kind of mutilated from the fever. Mm-hmm. The cabin fever. I shaved my head, and the thing is, is I've I've crashed on my bike and my skateboard a couple times, and like got some like really gnarly head gashes and like you know some some wounds on my head. What I don't do is when I have an open sore or open fucking like not sore but like an open wound on my head, I don't shave my head during that time. <laughs> like I don't take a razor blade near an open wound and say let's give it a shot. Like that shit made no sense to me in this movie. I was like, why the fuck now? Why now of all times are you going to try to shave your legs? Yeah. Again, I, if, if I had to headcanon any sort of meaning or, or why she's doing this, what purpose does it serve is I really think she's just so such in a state of shock that she's like, I just need to do something normal. Uh, pretend that my legs are okay. That's a good point. I mean, I can, I can get behind that. <laughs> we get dog vision at this point because Marcy here's Ryder. I don't remember exactly why she runs outside, but she puts on her, the all I can remember, I don't have any notes that explain why either, is she puts on her robe, she runs outside, and gets eaten by Dr. Mambo. Yeah, well, I think, I think she hears the dog in the shed. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so she runs outside to see what it is. Dr. Mambo goes and attacks her, and what's great about after the dog attacks her, like when Ryder first comes onto the scene of the... Um, the campground where they are. She is strewn all over the campground, like all over the place. No dog is like taking chunks out and throwing them around like in a fucking 15 foot radius, but she looks like she's exploded. Infected dog. Yeah. Maybe her flesh is like, uh, you know, cause she's sick. So, uh, she's more explosive. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Well, anyway, Ryder Strong comes back up, and here's the dog in the shed going after um, that girl. Karen. Um, the blonde, Karen, the blonde there's one. Two, there's two lady names in this movie, <laughs> and you can't remember either. <laughs> so bad at this. I'm so bad. Um, and so, yeah, he goes in there. The dog's, like, eating Karen, and then he runs out, and then, of course, he's got the gun. And he trips and falls because, of course, he does. The dog runs at him in red dog vision, and then, bam, he shoots the dog. And so, again, more animal murder. Um, he kills the dog. Then he goes in to check on Karen, and this is where her face is, like, eaten away, and all you see is, like, her, like, skeletor <laughs> mouth, like, all the, the bone and jaw. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, evidently uh, the trivia says that um, when she was like really upset looking during that scene, it's because she was really upset. Like they show they didn't show her, her makeup until like two minutes before the scene, and so she was in tears because how grody she looked. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the part that piss- this also pisses me off. He literally has a gun, and then he chooses to take a shovel and bash her to death with a shovel. Like, go get your gun. I, th- I think he runs out of bullets. He tried the shooter, and it clicked. And so he didn't have any more bullets. Oh, okay. I didn't see the gun part. I, I, I thought he went straight to the shovel and I was like, what a sadistic fucked up thing to do. No, he was going to shoot her. Um, Cause she's like, just, just do it. Uh, and then, yeah, he shovels her to death. I mean, they might as well, they should have just wrote it to where Paul was like, baby, I got a kid. I got to save ammo. And I just bashes her for like 10 minutes. Like that would have been fitting for his character at this point. Mr. Poke-a-Stick fall in the water. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So at this point, the hillbillies from the gas station are chasing Bert through the uh, the forest. 
yeah, Bert comes up to the cabin and meets Ryder and Ryder, like having just killed um, Karen. It's like, let's get you inside. They both go inside. And then we cut to the, uh, the hillbillies walking up on the cabin, like, all right, let's take care of this. They've got guns. Uh, they open the door and Bert is sitting there with a, a gun. He's like, got you now, motherfucker. And like right before he pulls the trigger, like, boom, the hillbilly shoots Bert in the, the chest and he goes flying back in his chair. Rip Bert. Paul swings the shovel, hits one of the hillbillies in the face. He falls off the porch, ends up shooting the other hillbilly in the stomach. The, the third hillbilly, like this big, massive dude is like, you know, like looking like kind of like dumbfounded, like, oh, my God. He swings out the door, Paul does, and stabs him right through the ear with a screwdriver, which I was like, you're not that good of a shot, bro. I'm surprised he didn't stab it in the thigh. He's so good with his aim. <laughs> He's like, I'm going for the head, gets him in the arm. <laughs> yeah. He steals. So Paul steals the uh, the hillbilly's truck and is going to drive away. And then out of nowhere, he hits a fucking deer and the deer is alive through the windshield, kicking around and he has to shoot the deer point blank to, to kill it because it's in the windshield. Again, more animal murder just for the, the sake of it. Yeah, I don't understand that deer scene at all. You just see it's two hooves and they're just like kicking and it's like, what is happening right now? It was to get rid of the truck. Like, that's the thing is I feel like this was to to get rid of his his truck, his escape plan. This this is a, a poorly written plot device, in my opinion. Oh, uh, okay. <clears throat> and I have a note here that says, look, killing this many animals is low-hanging fruit, dude. Yeah, at this point, I'm starting to wonder if Eli Roth hates animals. Mm-hmm. All animals. It's possible. And this is where we get the party scene where Deputy Dewey um, is... Wait, not Dewey. Winston. Winston is partying with these like what I what I it seems like hippies or church kids? I think they're just high schoolers. Well, they're playing like folk songs and like what what does he say? He's like, "Here, have a big beer. Come on, drink up. Got some sexy hair, you know that? <laughs> Got sexy shoes too." And then out of nowhere, Paul walks in completely bloody and messed up. Very reminiscent of when the uh, Henry came in earlier to their campfire scene. And um, he's like, A tow truck. What happened to the tow truck, Winston? Oh, shit, man. The fucking party, man. I'm so fucking sorry about the tow truck, man. I sent it there. It broke down. I had to get a tow truck to get that fucking tow truck. Man, what do you need? You need a fucking ride? Yeah. Yeah, a ride would be good. Winston, Shit. Winston, do you copy? Yes, sir, I copy. Yeah, I'm still looking for that underage booze party. You never mind, then. We got bigger problems. Some kids up in the cabin are on a killing spree. There's two, possibly three casualties already. Now, they are armed and hostile. Do not go anywhere near them. They got some kind of a skin virus that'll eat you alive, so if you do see them, do not hesitate to shoot them on sight. Do you copy? He doesn't do it. Yeah, I don't understand... How the cops found all of this out, though. The one deputy that we're aware of is partying. Who called in this report of a murder? Uh, the only other cop in the county probably just went out to the the, the cabin or something. I don't know, man. Uh, plot plot convenience, you know what I mean? Yeah, big plot hole. Yeah, so Paul infects a bunch of the kids at the party. Uh, one kid goes to swing his guitar and hit him in the head. And ends up hitting another dude's harmonica down his throat. So when he gasps for air, he makes harmonica noises. Genius! <laughs> I don't think a harmonica would fit. I don't think you could do that. <laughs> nope. It was. I was like, okay, I appreciate the gag, but this is 
a little too slapsticky for the moment we have here. Yeah, I did still like that Winston was still going to be all like buddy buddy with him. And then he just puts him in his truck. I thought that was a stranger. Oh, no, no it's a truck driver, wasn't it? Yeah, it's the truck driver. Because he knocks, because um, Paul knocks Winston out. And then drops him off in front of the hospital. Like, not in the, the emergency room. Literally just throws him on the curb and drives off. I was like, all right, fair enough. That's more than he deserved. And this is where the rest of the cops are like, son, I need you to tell us exactly what went down up there. And then we get some incoherent babble from Paul about like, oh, we're infected, uh, blah, blah, blah. Did you see the weird rabbit at the hospital? Yeah, the, the Shining-esque moment. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that was weird. Uh, but the one the doctor tells the sheriff, like, look, we got to transfer him. We can't handle this here. This is some weird shit. The sheriff then turns to Deputy Winston and is like, look... Go take care of this. And then, so we see Winston driving Paul, and he's in the back, and he's like, water, trying to be like, you know, the virus is from the water, because somehow when he poked the dead body, he figured that out uh, through, like, transmutation. And Winston's like, yeah, buddy, we're going to get you water. And then Winston just, like, throws him at the edge of a creek and is like, all right, my work here is done. And that's where Ryder dies at the edge of that creek um and then we go back to the cabin where we meet jeff who we all probably forgot about because he walked out of the movie 45 minutes ago and he's like holy shit i made it i did it i fucking made it i knew it i knew it i fucking made it I think he has like a, a 30 second period where he's like, everybody's dead. And that's him being sad. But you're right. It immediately turns. He sees all his dead friends and he is like in no way sad. He's just so excited that he survived. And then you could tell something's going to happen because he just keeps cheering on about how he survived. He walks out of the cabin and everybody shoots him. And also, this is also something that the cops do in the movie that I hate when cops in movies do this. They keep firing. They're out of bullets, but they're still going to like dry fire like three more shots, like click, 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 click. It's like, dude, you know you're out of shots at this point. Like, stop. Got to make sure they got their target, man. Poor Jeff, man. He was the only one who, who wasn't sick. They're super excited. They killed this dude. They throw him onto the burn pile with all of his friends, um, and they drive off to the convenience store where kids are selling lemonade from water uh, that they got from the the creek. And this must be like crack lemonade because the whole town comes out to buy lemonade from these kids. Uh, And then the last scene to the movie is we see a truck taking water away, I guess, presumably to be bottled and sold nationally. This diseased water. Dun, dun, dun the end yeah to the town over so it's gonna spread yep as these things do as COVID has taught us this shit is not going to be contained (laughs) yeah a couple cool things that um i don't know if you caught but that that rabbit scene i don't know if you noticed but the rabbit was actually offering pancakes to dennis oh they sure do love that gag don't they um the actor who's inside the um the rabbit costume is listed as we'll never tell 
So we don't know who actually was inside that rabbit costume. I know. It was Eli Roth. You know it was him. Everybody knows it was him. Had to be. You think so? I, I mean, I have no proof of this, but yes, I think that is exactly the kind of thing he would do. Just knowing, like, he's an unnamed fighter pilot, for example. Like, yeah, I could totally see him doing that. Uh-huh. Yep. Well, I mean, that stuff happens quite a bit. I think, like, wasn't it Brad Pitt was um, the Vanisher or whatever in uh, Deadpool 2, and he didn't get credited, I don't think. So, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows was inside that bunny suit? Yeah. Well, uh, that is this movie. I don't plan on watching it again. I think I've had my lifetime fulfillment of Cabin Fever. Would you guys recommend watching this if if anybody hasn't seen it out there yet? No. I would probably recommend the uh, DVD extra rated G version where basically they edit out all the sex violence and it's just a uh, rated G version of a couple people going out to a cabin and having a good weekend. <laughs> yeah, I would not recommend it. And I think, you know, it really doesn't help this movie. Uh, the Cabin in the Woods basically skewers this movie. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but after that movie, it's so hard to take Cabin in the Wood movie seriously. Uh, so, I mean, nothing this movie could have done about that, but uh, it's just bad. I can't think of a single redeeming feature. If you're listening to this podcast, you already know of the two most famous scenes. The rest of the movie is not at that level. Um Save 94 minutes of your life and go watch something better. Yeah, I would say if, you know, if you're looking for an Eli Roth film, I would start with something different. I mean, you may get a little more intense violence and gore in some of his later stuff. While probably, I remember Hostel being extremely slow. I do not remember it being this cringeworthy. So um, it, it's it's hard to recommend it for me, but... Um, you know, hey, if you're if you're steeped in horror movies and you you like this kind of stuff, maybe check it out. If not, maybe hit up uh, Hostel first. I feel like uh, Eli Roth fans are just gonna they're gonna be more interested in in the uh, the the gorier stuff, and I don't think this is quite gory enough to appease those folks. So if you do find yourself into the crowd that like the Saw movies, the Hostel movies, this is just not quite there. It's a little more cheesy, a little more comedic, a little more campy. At times, like when when Paul is on his walkabout through the woods, it's just it feels a little aimless too. It's like I know this movie is only ninety something minutes, but like there there are whole chunks of the movie we could cut out. Like we said, the part where Eli Ross sits down at the at the campfire. It's like, all right, I just I think maybe we need a little more um, in terms of the structure and plot, and maybe just tone down uh, a lot of the lingo and and oh, you know what, we didn't. Okay, we need to finish the part where the joke comes back. We almost forgot. The the dude at the uh, who drops that end bomb. Oh right! Uh, at the beginning of the movie, that wraps about around at the end when they're back at the gas station. So yeah, I actually think the very last scene of the movie is um, a bunch like a group of black people. They're playing hip hop. They're very stereotypical like gangsters. Like, where did they come from? Why are they here? makes no they they drove off the set of a different movie onto this movie um and they go in and everyone you know you're all nervous because you think that the uh clerk is racist and he's like let me go get the gun and he goes and gets the gun and then oh joke he hands it over to them and he's like what's up my n-word and they're like how's it going you know uh and apparently he is super tight with these group of black people and that is what he meant when he said the gun was for the n-word is for his friends so stupid nobody <laughs> in real life would ever talk like that they would never say i can tell you this at the theater 
<laughs> when that scene happened, there were audible groans from the audience. <laughs> like there was audible, like, oh, you got are you kidding me? Like there was, no one was happy about that. No one laughed about that. No one thought that was funny. I think everyone just in unison was just like, Ugh, okay, that just happened. There you have it. And did you guys wait till after the credits to see the after the credit? clip no i turned this movie off as soon as i could at the very end of the credits it's the old man um because as he's talking to the uh, uh the black people and giving them their gun um uh, he's all like giving them like you know special handshakes and stuff and he's doing snaps he's like i can't do it as good as y'all you know like i i, I can't do it <laughs> um at the very end of the credits it cuts back to that guy and he's all word <laughs> you're just like oh jesus oh boy i blocked that out of my brain just because again it's not even like I get the joke aspect of it. And maybe if done by a better writer, that joke could have worked. But because it was so ham fisted and forced down your throat at the end, it was just it's like the worst dad joke, the worst racist dad joke you've ever heard. Yeah. And the, just the payoff length too. we waited the entire movie to wrap back around to it. It's just like, oh, I was already done thinking about that terrible moment. And this is what you wanted to do with it. Okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, well, that's three no's from us. Uh, there's better cabin movies, and like John said, Cabin in the Woods just kind of tore this one apart. Yeah, go watch Hostel. You want to start off with a uh, Eli Roth movie, that's a good place to start. If you like that stuff, then I'd say go branch out to his other movies. What do you think he's going to do with this Borderlands movie? I mean, maybe his kind of directorial writing and and focus might fit Borderlands, especially after watching this movie. With Kate Blanchett and Kevin Hart. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, Kate Blanchett is signed on as Lilith and Kevin Hart is signed on as Roland. It's going to be bad. Borderlands is known for its fucking kind of like tongue-in-cheek shitty dad humor i guarantee you we're gonna get the fucking final joke of cabin in the woods level humor in this fucking script i am not thrilled about that (laughs) it's gonna be cabin fever humor throughout and this is gonna be cringy as shit in 2022 or whenever the hell this is coming out you know i like kevin hart there i said it uh and i I think he is super funny, so maybe he can help rein in some of Eli Roth's uh, quote-unquote comedy. Yeah, let's hope so. I like Kevin Hart also. Did you see those Jumanji films? Yeah, I saw the first one. I haven't seen the second one yet, but I want to. I just haven't got around to it, because uh, that first one was surprisingly good. So I guess we'll we'll have to just remain. Let's go with that 2021 feeling and just remain optimistic until we're slapped in the face with reality. <laughs> okay, that's one way to look at it, and that's fine with me. Well, anything else on cabin fever before we call it a day? Practice safe sex. Don't be rapey. Don't use the N-word. Um, if you're going to go to the woods. Don't uh, don't Google Ryder Strong's armpits. Well, you know, hey, I was not disappointed. <laughs> All right. Well, listeners, have you seen cabin fever? Do you agree with us? Do you think we're totally wrong? Are we missing the point of the film? Why don't you let us know on our social media? We've got a Facebook and Instagram and a Twitter account. You can find all things Grave Talk at thegravetalk.com. Garrett, what are we doing next? Next week, we're doing From Dust Till Dawn, the, I believe, Robert Rodriguez film. And Cheech Marin. So look forward to that. I haven't seen that one since it came out. So I wonder if it's going to hold up. 
or if it's going to be another cabin fever dream. Wait, did you say Cheech Marin? <laughs> you could have gone with Selma Hayek with the snake and you went with Cheech Marin. Jesus, Mark. We got to work on your priorities, man. Hey, man, he's got the most quotable line in the whole movie. So uh, <laughs> uh, look forward to hearing us talk about this movie next week. All right. Well, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.